as is normally the case with these podcasts, I have a whole plan on uh, what I'm going to do, <laughs> and then something happens and totally changes it completely. And that is the case today. I heard, I was watching the Steve Day show, which is something that I have grown accustomed to doing over the last year, and they broke the news early on in the program that Rush Limbaugh passed away today at age 70. He's been dealing with stage 4 lung cancer since January of last year. Uh, it was shortly after that that President Trump gave him the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And uh, I actually thought that the day that he made the announcement, you know, he, he did the, the entire show that day, Rush did. He, he did the entire announce, he, he did the entire show just as normal as always. No idea anything was wrong. And then at the the last segment he let everybody know that he had been uh, diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. It was actually, uh, I just looked it up, it's actually February 3rd when he, February 3rd of 2020, when he made the initial announcement that uh, he had lung cancer. I was going to try to play I wish I could play the audio of it because uh, it's, it's available on his website if you want to go find it at rushlimbaugh.com. The entire seven minutes is there. Um, but I can't, due to copyright reasons, you know, I can't play it on here. I, I would like to be able to do that. There's several clips and things I would like to be able to play, but I cannot do that. Um, but uh, I found the transcript of it here. Hang on one moment. Yeah, I, I found it here where he says, um, this was on, again on uh, February 3rd of 2020. He said, um, Ladies and gentlemen, this day has been one of the most difficult days in recent memory for me because I've known this moment was coming in the program today. Now, I'm sure you all know by now, I really don't like talking about myself, which I find quite a bit amusing because he often did so, granted in a very sarcastic, satirical, ha-ha, funny kind of way, but he talked about himself a lot, but not with any degree of seriousness, I don't think. And then he goes on, but he says, I don't like making things about me other than in the usual satirical, parodic, joking way, like I just said. Uh, I like this program to be about you and the things that matter to all of us, and um, I'm going to skip down here a little bit, and then he goes on. He says, I've mentioned to you that this program and this job is what has provided me the greatest satisfaction and happiness that I've ever experienced, more than I ever thought that I would experience. So I have to tell you something today that I wish I didn't have to tell you. It's a struggle for me because I had to inform my staff earlier today. I can't escape even though people are telling me it's not the way to look at it, I can't help but feel that I'm letting everybody down with this. 
but the upshot is that I have been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. Diagnosis confirmed by two medical institutions back on January 20th. I first realized something was wrong on my birthday weekend, January 12th. I wish I didn't have to tell you this, and I thought about not telling anybody. I thought about trying to do this without anybody knowing, because I don't like making things about me. But there are going to be days that I'm not going to be able to be here, because I'm undergoing treatment, or I'm reacting to treatment, and I know that would inspire all kinds of curiosity with people, and wondering, and wondering what's going on. And the worst thing that can happen is when there's something going on, and you try to hide it and cover it up. It's eventually going to leak, and then people are going to say, why didn't you just say it? Why didn't you try to fool everybody? Or why did you try to fool everybody? It's not that I want to fool anybody. It's just that I don't want to burden anybody with it. And I haven't wanted to. But it is what it is. You know me. I'm the mayor of Realville. And uh, he went on to talk about how it was in his intention to continue to come back and uh, do the show as much as he possibly could, which he did. He continued to do that uh, throughout the entire cancer treatment. No, he stayed with it. He continued to to be there for the show. He continued to uh, um, he continued to to try to do the show as as often as he could. You know, he would be there. Like for entire weeks he would be there, he would be there for several weeks. And then there might be a week or sometimes two weeks where he wasn't able to be there because of treatment or because of effects of the treatment and how it was affecting him, making him sick or ill or whatever. And uh, he <coughs> excuse me, never went into detail much about all of that because again he didn't want to make the show about himself. He I remember him saying a lot throughout 2020, you know, I don't, I'm not going to come on here and do this show as a cancer patient. Uh, this show is going to be about what it's always been about, and not about me or, or what's going on with me or how sick I feel or how bad I feel because nobody wants to listen to that uh, for day after day or hour after hour or whatever. And um, he ended this... Um, thing talking about this saying uh, I know you're there in great numbers and I know that you understand everything I say the rest of the world may not when they hear it expressed a different way but I know that you do you've been one of the greatest sources of confidence meaning the audience that I've had in my life so I hope I will be talking about this as little as necessary in the coming days but we've got a great bunch of doctors a great team assembled we're at full speed ahead on this and it's now a matter of implementing what we're what we are going to be told later this week. So I'll be back here. I hope I'll be back Thursday. This was on a Monday. If not, I'll be back as soon as I can and know that every day I'm not here, I'll be thinking about you and missing you. Thank you very much. And that was the end of his initial announcement on this uh, diagnosis. And then the very next day, even to Rush Limbaugh's very surprise himself, um, the next day, February 4th, which was President Trump's, turned out to be uh, final um, State of the Union address, he um, awarded Rush Limbaugh with the Presidential Medal of Freedom. 
and I'm not going to read the entire thing, but he, well, yeah, it's not very long, it's real short, but the president said, almost every American family knows the pain when a loved one is diagnosed with a serious illness. Here tonight is a special man, someone beloved by millions of Americans who just received a stage four advanced cancer diagnosis. This is not good news, but what is good news is that he is the greatest fighter and winner that you will ever meet. Rush Limbaugh, thank you for your decades of tireless devotion to our country. Rush, in recognition of all that you have done for our nation, the millions of people a day that you speak to and inspire, and all the incredible work that you have done for charity, I am proud to announce tonight that you, you will be receiving our country's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. I will now ask the First Lady of the United States to please stand and present you with the medal, with, with uh, the honor. And then he said, Rush, Catherine, congratulations. And then there's a, a picture of, uh, you know, Rush getting the Medal of Freedom, flip, freedom placed around his neck. And um, that was, I think it was one of the greatest moments. Uh, well, for me personally, it was the greatest moment um, of any... State of the Union speech that a president's given that I've seen because um, I've just been a I've been a fan of Rush Limbaugh I first heard him for the first time in like in 1992 during the Bush Clinton Perot election uh, I'm getting ahead of myself I was going to talk about that in a little bit um, but I've and then I, I but I, I first heard him in 1992. I've been a fan since uh, 2002. That's uh, when I really started listening and paying attention on a regular basis and became a big fan. Sorry about that. That noise in the background. That was my phone. I had to pause this for a minute because because um, I had a phone call. Um, what I was getting ready to uh, say though is. Um, After reading the what the president or President Trump last year had to say about uh, Rush Limbaugh and then presenting him with the Presidential Medal of Freedom, another time that really stuck out in my mind over of uh, Rush Limbaugh's programs over the last year was his uh, the final segment of his program on December 23rd, uh, right before Christmas. Uh, now he always took the a couple of weeks off from like the couple of days before Christmas, like the 23rd or the 24th, and he would take all that time off until like the first Monday after the New Year, and then everybody would return. And if you listen to this show as much as I did, you know he always, and he would even say this too. That he would get kind of sentimental during uh, during that time, with, especially with Christmas. It was a you know a time where he really reflected on how fortunate he has had been in life and how uh, hi Gabby, sorry, um, there's my cat, and um, and how just how fortunate he was and how blessed he had been with uh, all that God provided him with this radio show and his uh, family and just and 
the radio audience, which he genuinely considered to be uh, members of his, uh, like ex almost like extended family. It's how he treated us during the uh, 33 years of his program, or I guess 32. It was uh, he was in his 33rd year. His last show was on uh, February 2nd. But um, I remember this because he got particularly emotional and that was very, there were a lot of long pauses in this, this uh, final segment of his show on December 23rd right before the Christmas break. I don't know if he thought maybe something might happen to him over the Christmas holiday and he, he was kind of saying a, a farewell just in case, I don't know. Um, but I remember it made me emotional listening to it, and I'm sure it did for, I know it did for a lot of his, um, for a lot of his listeners, uh, because I remember making a YouTube video that evening and sending it to him about how much I really appreciated him and uh, his show and the impact that it had on me. But, um, so I want to go ahead and read this real quick. It says, uh, you know, he thanked everybody in the audience. He said, uh, thank everybody in the audience, all of you, for everything you mean to me. Uh, that last call, meaning the last call before the previous break, that reminds me of how much I love all of you, how much I so appreciate everything you've meant to me and my family. You don't have any idea how, you know, I know so many people think this program has changed their lives for the better. Uh, I'm one of them. But uh, he said, you have no idea what you all have meant to me and my family. The day's going to come, folks, where I'm not going to be able to do this. I don't know when that is. I want to be able to do it for as long as I want to do it. I want to, but the day will come where I'm not going to be able to. And I want, I want you to understand that even when the day comes, I'd like to be here because I have this sense of needing to constantly show my appreciation for all that you have done and meant to me. So I hope you all have a great Christmas, a great New Year, and I hope that the things that are in store for all of us in the coming year are certainly better than we have endured in 2020. I don't know too many people who've enjoyed 2020. There are, pro there are probably some sickos out there who have. But 2021 has to be better. We're going to try to make it that way here at the EIB Network. Again, folks, thank you so much. I wish there was a way to say it other than thank you. You're, the, you're just the best. My family is just the best. Thank you. Merry Christmas, everybody. From all of us to all of you, make it happen. And uh, there were a number of times in there where he paused and you could tell... Uh, even listening, you could tell he was getting choked up. And then if, if you watch the uh, video of it, you can see that there are times, there's even one point in this, uh, in this segment of the program where he turned the ditto cam off. Um, and you could tell that he even, he had turned his mic off because uh, you could tell when he, um, you could just, if you listen to the show enough, you can tell like, like there were there were a lot of times over the years, where, like he had this uh, they had this mute button, to where he would, uh, 
know if he ever was like like if you're watching the dido cam you could see a lot of times uh he would be <laughs> he would he would mute the the mic and then he would like you could tell he was looking at the camera and he would like burp or something and you could tell and then he would and then he would unmute and then he continued talking now if you were listening to the radio it was so quick you would often you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to hear it you wouldn't notice it because it was so quick but if you were watching the camera you know you could see like he was reaching over for the switch and then he would kind of look at the camera and you could kind of see that he was kind of burping or something and then uh, and then he would unmute it and continue talking at least that's what I think was going on I don't I can't confirm it was a burp, but you could you could just tell when he was muting it for some purpose like that. I think that's what was going on. I'm pretty sure, but uh, but this particular time when he did that, it was you could tell it was because of the length of it that he was holding back tears or getting choked up, and he just didn't want the audience to hear that. And. Um, I will never forget that segment, and it's that segment. I believe also. I think that's also available for free on his website. If you go to the uh, RushLimbaugh.com and you click on at the top right, there's a, a, a tab there that says Watch. Um, if you click on that, you can hear um, certain free segments of the program that they made available to non-subscribers on the website and I think that's among them um, if you want to hear that I mean I, I just read it but I didn't read it with any of the the heartfelt feeling that he did I'm, I'm, I, uh, I, just, I was just trying to read it and get through it without you know I'm just just trying to read it um, as I said his last program was on February 2nd and I hate to say I missed that one. Um, I plan on going back to read it. Uh, I didn't miss all of it. I listened. I heard part of it, and then I. Uh, but then I had to tune out for some reason, and I didn't finish listening to it that day. And I'm going to go back and read it uh, sometime soon because I I'm just. It's, I mean, it's his last program. I, I want to hear it. No, um, I, mean, I want to. I want to read it. I, I can't hear it because it's already passed. Unless I'm able to find it on YouTube or something. I uh, had to cancel my subscription to his website, uh, even though I didn't want to. I know my. My financial circumstances kind of made that to where I had to. I, I was a subscriber for a while, and then I had to cancel that because, well, you know, things have been pretty tight with me, and um, with uh, with the apartment thing and all that. And so I really had to cancel things that I enjoy, and I hated canceling a subscription to his website because I knew that a day like this was coming. We all did. He made that clear. You know, he said at one point, I don't remember when this was, but it wasn't too long ago, uh, he said he was, he was, he didn't expect to make it to the end of last year. But he did. And, um, but, uh, 
like I said, we all kind of, we all knew if you were a regular listener or even just kept up with the news, you kind of you kind of knew this was coming. And uh, and so yeah, and then today, Russia's wife Catherine, she uh, led off the program today with the sad news that uh, that everybody's heard now, and I, I would like to be able to play it, but again, for copyright, I I don't quite understand where the line is on copyright things. And I don't want to cross it by mistake. So, um, but here was basically her comment. She said, hello everyone. I know that I am most certainly not the Limbaugh that you tuned in to listen to today. I, like you, very much wish Rush was behind this golden microphone right now, welcoming you to another exceptional three hours of broadcasting. For over 32 years, Rush has cherished you his loyal audience and always looked forward to every single show. It is with great sadness I must share with you directly that our beloved Rush, my wonderful husband, passed away this morning due to complications from lung cancer. As so many of you know, losing a loved one is terribly difficult, even more so when that loved one is larger than life. Rush will forever be the greatest of all time. Rush was an extraordinary man a gentle giant, brilliant, quick-witted, genuinely kind, extremely generous, passionate, courageous, and the hardest working person I know. Despite being one of the most recognized, powerful people in the world, Rush never let the success change his core or beliefs. He was polite and respectful to everyone he met, even most recently when he was not feeling well in the hospital. He was so appreciative to every single doctor and nurse and custodian and first responder. He never wanted to put anyone out and always thanked them profusely for their help. From today on, there will be a tremendous void in our lives and of course on the radio. Rush loved our miraculous country beyond measure, an, un an unwavering patriot. He loved our United States military, our flag, our constitution, our founding fathers. He proudly fought and defended conservative values in a way that no one else can. Rush often stood up and took arrows on his own because he knew it was the right thing to do. Rush encouraged so many of us to think for ourselves, to learn and to lead. He often said it did not matter where you started or what you look like. As Americans, we all have endless opportunities like, no, like nowhere else in the world. Rush gave us hope that through our hard work and determination we can overcome the obstacles in our lives and be our best. Many of you started small businesses or pursued personal dreams because Rush gave you the faith that you could. He made the most complex issues simple to understand while making that level of genius look easy. It most certainly was anything but easy. Irreplaceable, remarkable talent. On behalf of the Limbaugh family, I would like to personally thank each and every one of you that prayed for Rush and inspired him to keep going. You rallied around Rush and lifted him up when he needed you the most. I am certain 
without a shadow of a doubt, if he could be here today, he would be. He loved you and he loved this radio program with every part of his being. Instead, we know our rush is in heaven, encouraging us in the same way he always did on earth. Rush's love for our country and belief that our best days are ahead live on eternally. In Rush's honor, may we all continue Rush's mission in our individual lives and communities. I know all of you listening are terribly sad. We all are. I'm terribly sorry to have to deliver this news to you. God bless you, Rush, and God bless our country. That was Catherine Limbaugh, Rush's wife. Uh, I, I did it. I managed to read all of these things without, uh, you know, Rush Limbaugh. He had a tremendous impact on millions of people. There are so many of us are not just fans of Rush Limbaugh. Um, you know, he really did look look at and treat his audience like extended family. There was. It's a very intangible thing. If you were a daily or regular listener, you you know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you just listen every once in a while, you might not get it. But if you, for 32 years or however long, if you listen for any length of time on a daily or very regular basis, you know that there, there was a, a very familial-like connection between Rush and his audience. And I can testify to that. I, uh, like I told you, I, my initial, uh, I, I first heard Rush Limbaugh for the first time in 1992. It was during the, the, uh, the election campaign. It was George H. W. Bush's re-election. Um, in 1992, he was running against Bill Clinton, who ended up winning, and against Ross Perot also. Perot ended up being the reason that Bush ended up losing, I, I believe, because a lot of the people who voted for Perot were, by and large, Bush voters who could have, and I would argue should have, uh, pushed him to re-election. Uh, that's another topic for another time. Uh, you know, not that Bush 41 or Bush 43, for that matter, were necessarily the greatest presidents ever. They 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 had their own issues, but they both of them were better than Bill Clinton. Uh, but nonetheless, that's when I first heard Rush. And at the time, I was only like I I was eight years old during that campaign, so. I was in like, you know, second grade. <laughs> I didn't really, you know, my my biggest interest at the time was the fact that WrestleMania 8 was in uh, was in Indianapolis that year and I grew up in Columbus, Indiana, which is, you know, not too far from Indianapolis. It's a very short distance. And so that was my biggest thing going on, you know, that's what I mainly cared about. A wrestling fanatic, or I really still am a wrestling fanatic. Uh, uh, that's all I cared about. Uh, really, throughout my entire childhood and even my adolescence, it wasn't until 
I accepted Christ in the year 2000 that I really started caring about anything other than wrestling, uh, by and large. You know, it's not to say, I mean, I watched, there were other things I did to entertain me, but wrestling was my life and obsession. It's what I really cared about and wanted to, you know, I knew I couldn't be a wrestler because I, with my disability, I have cerebral palsy on my wheelchair. Um, so I, I couldn't be a wrestler, but if I could, at the time I was thinking as a kid, you know, if I get in, get involved in broadcasting, man, I would have loved to be a wrestling commentator. Um, I think I even would have made a pretty good manager. Uh, but, uh, that, that didn't happen, but my point is is that I, I didn't care about, I didn't grow up, a, I, it wasn't like a, we were a very political family, you know, everybody watched the news, but, you know, there's no real passionate political, you know, discussions happening or or real kind of ideological, pure, purest things or anything. We didn't really talk about any of that. Um, it just wasn't really a, a thing, you know. Uh, I didn't care. I, I got most of my news in my, my teen years. I got most of my news from late night talk show hosts. You know, Jay Leno, uh, um, uh, David Letterman, and then I remember back, I think, uh, Craig Kilborn, uh, before Jon Stewart, I think it was Craig Kilborn that did The Daily Show. And I remember watching that. And those were like my main news sources. Anything that I knew about what was happening in uh, America, it was these late night talk show uh, monologues. And uh, so that's, uh, that's what I really, uh, that's, that was my, my, cult, my news and cultural references. I, so I heard Rush a little bit during the 1992 campaign and then feel like, I feel like my dad kind of stopped listening either that or it could have just been because I was riding the school bus more after second grade uh, and didn't really get rides back and forth to school anymore. That could have been the reason why I stopped uh, hearing Rush. Uh, I don't know. I just know that um, um, I, I, for about 10 years after that, that election year, uh, I'm kind of surprised that my dad was as much of a listener or up to Rush as he was, because he ended up voting for Ross Perot. He, I think, he was persuaded by those uh, those TV ads that those like thirty minute or I don't know if they were thirty minutes or an hour, but all that TV time that Ross Perot brought, bought, you know, he'd bring out those charts on on TV, and he had all these charts, and he had these these little you know little quips and things that he would say. And my dad ended up voting for Ross Perot. I. Uh, so I was surprised that he listened to Rush as much as he did during that campaign season. I think it was more for the, the humor and the entertainment value that Rush provided, more so than maybe agreeing with all of his political uh, points of view. But I, I don't know for sure, because we didn't, again, we didn't talk about that much either. I was much more interested in wrestling, and really other sports too. I mean, I was, I was football, basketball, baseball, but wrestling was my obsession. So. Anyway, for about 10 years, from 92 to 02, I didn't really keep up with anything related to Rush Limbaugh. I knew who he was. I remembered hearing him on the radio some, just like Paul Harvey, but I didn't really know that much. I wasn't, I wasn't politically knowledgeable.
And then when I became a Christian in the year 2000, when I accepted Christ as my Savior and on December 20th of that year, um, I, uh, it was December 20th, the year 2000, when I accepted Christ as my Savior. Then I, uh, I became very interested in the news at, at exactly that same time because I, don't know, I think you, some of you heard me talk about this before the, catal the catalyst that led me to becoming a Christian was the Left Behind books uh, the Left Behind uh, um, the Left Behind series by Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins that was uh, based on Bible prophecy and so when I became a Christian, and the uh, the Bible prophecy Eng the Bible prophecy thing had a lot to do with that, uh, and looking at Christianity from that angle, um, I then became much more interested in the news because I was looking to see how our current events of the day lined up with Bible prophecy, and I'm still to this day I'm very much interested in news and politics because I'm interested in how the events and news of our world um, relate to the Bible. So what does that have to do with Rush Limbaugh? Not as much directly, uh, not much directly because Rush Limbaugh's show was not about Christianity. Now, Rush was a Christian. He was a, um, he didn't talk about it on the air very often. But he did, he did talk about it on the air some. And I believe that he was a genuine convert. Now, obviously, I'm not God, and I'm not his final judge. I'm not his, you know, I don't, uh, I don't, um, I can't tell you that he was for sure, but I believe that he was. Um, but I didn't go to Rush Limbaugh for Bible prophecy commentary because there was none. Um, and I didn't go to, uh, you know, that, that just wasn't my, uh, that, that wasn't what I went to his show for. Um, I actually... When I, because I became more interested in news between the years of 2000 and 2002 when I started listening to Rush again, um, a relative bought me a VHS tape of a comp, it was a compilation video that Rush did uh, of his TV program. From I think from the years 1992 through 1996, it might have been 91, but I think it was 92 through 96. Um, Rush Limbaugh had a TV program that it was a late night program. Also, he didn't have any guests. It was you know it was just him for that time. But that was uh, he had his own TV program along with this three hour radio show from 12 to 3 Eastern that he did for 32 years. But he, for about four years, he had a TV program. And um, so one of these compilation videos that they did was a, 
uh, it was called Sometimes You Just Gotta Laugh. And it was kind of like this A to Z, you know, they had like, it, was a, it had different categories of, you know, like H was for Hillary, meaning Hillary Clinton. And W was for women. Um, B was for Bubba, that was uh, in reference to Bill Clinton. Uh, A was for airheads, meaning uh, people in uh, Washington, D.C. Um, I think uh, K. Uh, I think it K was for Kennedy. You know, and just things like that. It was like a. It was a categorized video A to Z, of some of Rush Limbaugh's the TV programs. Funniest moments and clips, and that's basically what it was. And I watched that, and for a while, it was it was only an hour, but that whole video. It was so funny. I was I was like laughing my head off the whole time. The whole thing was hilarious. And again, mind you, I didn't have much political knowledge. I was still kind of learning a lot about news and politics or whatever. I was still mainly only approaching the news and politics angle, you know, from the Bible prophecy point of view, not so much from any anything else. And uh, it was all it was all Christian based but then I watched this and um, I heard Steve Dish say on his show today that he tries to do with his show like he said he, I'm, I'm paraphrasing this a little bit but he said that he wants his show to be to a biblical worldview what Rush Limbaugh's show was to the conservative worldview and that's really what I mean that's what Rush Limbaugh's show, show was all about it was uh, it was meant to be number one entertaining. It was meant to entertain the audience. Uh, Rush made that abundantly clear. His number one goal in in life was not to be a political activist. It was to be a successful radio host. It was to be to have put on an entertaining, to put on the best show possible from an entertainment, from an in, from an informative whatever point of view. But primarily, his goal was to put on the best radio show possible. That was his main goal. Not, it wasn't to be a political activist. It wasn't uh, in one of the chapters in his uh, his first book, called "The Way Things Ought to Be," was my success was not is not determined by who wins elections. Um. So Rush Limbaugh did not measure success based on whether or not the Republicans were successful in campaigns. That's not how he measured success. He measured success by how many listeners he had. And that's not to say, and he, he made the, I'm, I'm not conjecturing any of this. I, I Believe me, I've read both of these books so many times and been such a faithful listener to his program. I'm, I'm telling you stuff that I've heard him repeat many, many, many times over the years. Um, you know, his, his goal was to have as many listeners as possible. Now, he did everything that he said on his program. He, he believed it wasn't, uh, you know, he, he legitimately believed everything that he, that he talked about. But, you know, but his number one goal was to put on an entertaining program. Uh, 
he, he expressed in his first book, he expressed surprise that, uh, that his political viewpoints became such a, became such a, a part of the driving force behind why his program was successful. That somewhat surprised him. But he recognized it early on, and it became so naturally, his politics became more and more what the show was about as far as from a content perspective. Um, so, I mean, that's, but his number one goal was to put on a good program. But it is undeniable that even though his number one goal was to put on the best radio program possible, it's undeniable the political force that the Rush Limbaugh show has been since 1988 when he first went national. Now, it wasn't his first year in radio, but it was the first year that he went national. And, uh, I mean, especially, I mean, in 1994, uh, the Republican Revolution in 1994, when Republicans took control of the House for the first time in 40 years, Rush Limbaugh was a big part of that. So much so that they, uh, the, the, uh, the Republicans in Congress made him an honorary member <laughs> uh, and presented that to him after. after you know, taking office because they recognized the significant role that his show played in getting out the vote. Again, not that he was necessarily leading a get out the vote effort because his show was not about political activism. It was just about him talking about whatever he felt like talking about that day. That's where I got the idea for this podcast. You know, I'm just going to talk about whatever I feel like talking about that day. Some days I talk about myself and the rent, uh, what's happening with me personally. Sometimes I talk about uh, news and things that are going on. Sometimes I talk about, uh, um, I, uh, I started my Genesis study on here. You know, it's just whatever I feel like doing or talking about. That's what I, that's what I do. And that's where I got that from. I got that from Rush. Um, just this whole idea of, you know, I, I, I learned this lesson from him watching a lot of his, listening to his radio show, watching his speeches, reading his books. Uh, if, if, what, if you're bored by what you're doing, if you're not passionate about what you're doing and what you're saying, nobody else is going to be either. Nobody else is going, you know, if I come on here and I try to talk to you about what's happening in the stock market, you're going to be bored to tears. Why are you going to be bored to tears? Because I don't, number one, I don't really understand that as much as I would like. I don't really, I'm not super knowledgeable on the stock market, things like that. Number two, it kind of bores me. So if I'm bored by something, you know, if, like, uh, okay, I told you I've been watching the Steve Day show a lot. They, they talk about, like, stuff about DC Comics and things like that. and these different comic book movies, things like that. I couldn't care less about any of that stuff. It would be like, you know, if I, if I tried to come on, here's a, a really, really good example. If I came on here 
and I tried to give you a, a, a one hour, hour and a half, two hour podcast on video games, uh, it would be a snore fest because I can't feign interest in something that I don't have. Believe me, I have tried. <laughs> it does not work. Um, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I'm not a, I'm not a woman. I can't fake it. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That's, <laughs> that, that was bad. Um, that was, that was really bad. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Um, that was a, uh, actually, you know what? I'm not sorry. It was funny. So, uh, <laughs> but it was just a joke. So if, if you're uptight, I'm sure you didn't appreciate that. But uh, my point is, is that I learned from Rush Limbaugh because he, he repeated this lie. He said, you know, part of the reason why his show is successful is because he's passionate about what he talks about. And whether it was talking about the NFL, which he was a really huge fan of, probably as much as I am WWE and pro wrestling, or whether it's, um, whether it's politics or sports or... You know, he, he was really into reading the tech blogs and you know, always keeping up on the latest uh, the latest new technologies coming out. Big fan. He was a big fan of Apple products, so he, you know, you get him talking about iPhones and iOS updates, and you know, it would you know he had this whole segment of his audience that he called the stick to the issues crowd because they were like, we don't care about all this stuff. Stick to the issues, Rush. But I mean, he would just go off on these things sometimes and just start talking about them because they're so important to him. And so he, he liked talking about them. He liked talking about golf. He was a big golfer. You know, so he would talk about those things and get off on these tangents sometimes and talk about certain things that would, make, would upset part of his audience because they were like, we, we, we didn't tune into this. We tune in to hear about what's happening in the news and your perspective on the news, um, not to hear about what you think of the new iPhone. But he, you know, he, his whole philosophy was, if I'm interested in it, I'm going to talk about it, and it's my show, and I can do what I want. And if you don't like it, then go get your own show. <laughs> you know, <laughs> do what you want to do. But you know, this is my show. I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. And so that, and and if he didn't do that, if he tried to fake interest in something, then um, then it would come through. He felt like it would come through in the program. He would sound bored, and if he sounded bored, then the audience would get bored, and the show would suffer. So he he was very adamant about saying, "Do what you're passionate about. You know, whatever your dream is, whatever it is that whatever it is that gives you life, whatever it is that you're really passionate about, whatever it is that really just you know." Uh, Whatever, whatever it is that gets you excited, in the, you know, whatever it is that just you really love, go do that. that he, if, if I took any lesson away from this program, again, that's why, that's why I blog. That's why I do this podcast. That's why, for the very small audience that I have, and it is very small, unfortunately, up to this point, it seems mostly relegated to people that I know because I don't know what it is, but people just don't share these things. I, I wish more people did because I would like to be able to grow that beyond just people that I know. I would like to establish a bit of a, a, a reader base and a listener base or whatever, but so far it seems like that uh, um, a lot of folks just aren't, you know, that they, they listen and they're like, yeah, it was really good, but they don't ever share it. And uh, but. I'm hoping to get to be able to change that. Speaking of that, I'll go ahead and say this. If 
if you would uh, share this podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. So maybe we can grow this uh, audience a little bit. But um, but Rush was if I one of the main lessons I took away from his life and his show and all the speeches and things I've heard him give is um, just it, it, whatever you're passionate about, do it. And if you're not successful at it, at least you'll be happy doing it. You know, he he was he made it very. You only you only get one life. You don't you don't get a do over. You don't get to come back and do this over. This is a one time thing. Whatever you make of this life, you don't you don't get to do it over again. This is it. And so, whatever you love, do that and put all put your all into it. Uh, just do it with everything you have and I I believe that um, if I don't get any more numbers of people doing you know doing this than I have listening to me right now I still love doing this <laughs> I love communicating I love telling people what I think I love sharing my life with people telling you guys about uh, what's happening with me the new aspect of this podcast I like being able to do that I like writing I like writing about current events news politics uh, theology uh, sharing the gospel with people uh, like a, a, dig a digital missionary I guess you could say I love doing all that uh, I love life church I love serving with life church I love uh, getting on there every day, and, or, or not every day, but every time I host or any time I volunteer to help out. I love um, doing the, um, getting on there and, and interacting with the people that come to our church. I love doing the, the prayer uh, thing. I, I want to be able to demonstrate how good I can be with this responsibility so that I can continue going forward I, I want I want to have more and more responsibility I I love doing that and I, I want to I want to be able to do more with it I'm so appreciative of the opportunity that they've given me to serve because at a physical location you know I've had a hard time because I don't drive it's it's hard for me sometimes to be able to serve in local churches in the area as much as I would like to be able to uh, because you know um, I'm always having to depend on rides from others um, I really love serving I love being in the church I love being in that environment I love helping people pointing them to Christ helping them grow in their faith uh, I love teaching apologetics all that stuff and that's why I spend time doing it so much because I learned that from Rush Limbaugh if you're passionate about something do it and if you care about it if you really really care about it and you don't have to fake it because it's really coming from the heart and you really mean it then other people will care about it too because they can hear the passion in your voice and so that is why I got the idea to do this podcast that's why I do the blogs I've been doing blogs since 2002 uh, back in those days though they weren't blogs they were mass emails because I didn't know what a blog was and social media wasn't really a thing yet I didn't know much about MySpace I don't even know if it was around at the time but if it was I sure didn't know much about it so I would do daily emails I called them Steve's daily opinions and I would send out 
they, I would send those out in emails like every day I would do a Steve Daly opinion and I would do one every single day and it was like like my own little editorial and I would send I had like a, a an email list that I would send this uh, this out to and uh, and then they would for some people would forward it to others and it was just uh, I loved doing that I had that for a long time and then when I then when MySpace became a thing I started posting them on there and then when Facebook became a thing and then you know I now of course blogs now I have uh, a thing on medium and on blogger and on uh, and I'm doing this on anchor this podcast and you can hear it on Spotify um, I love doing this stuff this is and, and no matter what the topic is uh, and and that's like uh, the last one I did I I started to write four different uh, four different blogs and it's just like I, I wasn't feeling it and I got on here and I did a podcast and it was just it, I don't know I, I like doing this the more I do this the more I talk verbally the more I enjoy it the more I do this the more I communicate with you guys this way. and it takes a lot less time you know when you're writing you have to edit you have to go back and reread and make sure that you're you know everything is written correctly everything spelled correctly all your punctuations right you know and a lot of times you know your brain moves faster than your fingers can type so you gotta you know try to remember what you want to say and all this and I love writing. It's 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 a great way of communicating. I really enjoy it. But the more I do this, the more I really enjoy it. Cause you, you can do it in a lot less time. And I don't I don't prepare any notes. Uh, again, that's another thing. Like Rush, you know, Rush would do a lot of show prep. He would take several hours, and he would do show prep. And um, and he would take several hours, and he would go. He would scour the news. And so he knew what he wanted to talk about that day. He had certain topics, and he would he he kind of knew where he wanted the program to go. But he didn't have like a script, and he didn't have an outline or notes. He would just get on there. He had certain news stories, a stack, you know, he called the the stack of stuff he called it, and and he would just pull something. He had certain segments of the story highlighted, and he would read it, and then he would do commentary on that was it it was it was a lot of just uh the term stream of consciousness that's another thing i picked up from rush he would just talk about it as he thought about it that's what i'm doing right now i knew what i wanted to talk about when i got on here today uh the passing of rush limbaugh and how much he meant to me as a, as a person and how much the show meant to me even though i never met him or talked to him it's one of the greatest uh i, I wish one of the thing, one of the things I wished I could have been able to do was to uh, to be able to get into Rush's program and to be able to to uh, to be able to be one of those fortunate callers that got on to be able to to actually speak to him just to, if nothing else and just to be able to tell him thank you for how much his show meant and means and meant and uh, just the positive impact that he had in shaping my worldview and uh, just how much I appreciated him as a person 
I never got a chance to directly tell him that because I, even though I called many times, I was never able to get through because the lines were always busy. And so um, I do regret that I wasn't able to do that. But um, so that's when I first started getting interested again in his show was in 2002 after watching that sometimes you just got a laugh video which you can find on YouTube somebody's posted it up there I don't know how long it'll be up before YouTube takes it down but it's been up for a while and uh, it brings back a lot of great memories every time I watch it because I I love that video it's uh, it's 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 great and uh, so but from that point on I started listening to his show on a daily basis uh, from 2002 through uh, well and, until 2021 so I guess 19 years I was a regular listener I had heard of him 10 years earlier in 1992 but for 19 years I was a very regular listener for many years it was daily. I remember uh, 2009 as another great uh, another great year because for Christmas that year two of my friends uh, chipped in and they bought me an annual subscription to Rush 24-7 which you know which is the subscription service to the Rush Limbaugh show and um, so I uh, that was like a, that was one of the best Christmas presents I ever got and I, I remember the very first uh, the very first Rush Limbaugh show that I watched on the Ditto Cam uh, which was his which was for those of you who didn't want regular listeners or don't know what the Ditto Cam was, Rush had a camera in his studio and he would just, it, you could basically just watch him do the radio show. And um, so that's what that's what the Ditto Cam was. I remember, I think it was January 6th, 2009 was the, uh, I think, uh, it, was, it was the very first Monday that he'd come back from the, the Christmas uh the Christmas break and I'll never forget that it was the, the very first episode I ever watched of the Rush Limbaugh show on the Ditto Cam and he um, <laughs> it was so funny because that the very the opening segment he was talking about Roland Burris who I, I forgot he, he was a, a freshman congressman he just gotten elected uh, with the Obama wave in 2008 I don't remember uh, what state he I think it was Illinois was the state that he represented, uh, but I'm not sure. Uh, I, I would look that up, but quite frankly, I don't really care about Roland Burris, so um, why bother? But I remember uh, he um, Rush opened the show talking about Roland Burris and how um, he had been turned away from. Uh, Congress and I think it was because I, I, I can't remember the exact details of how the story started but I remember Roland Burris uh, he, he he said that he got turned away from from 
from Congress or whatever. And it was, let me see if I can find this real quick. Anyway, I remember that when he said that Roland got turned away from Congress, he, he started playing the, the Jefferson's Move It On Up theme. And of course, you know, Roland Burr's being black, I understood the, the tongue-in-cheek humor there. It wasn't meant as racist, Rush was not a racist, but it was, it was just a funny, you know, I, I, it, was, it was hilarious. You know, moving on up. You know, and and then when he when he was like when they when the song would go moving on up, or if it was like I don't think so, uh, not today. <laughs> you know, I couldn't even get through the front door. <laughs> and uh, let me see if I can find this real quick. Okay, here it is. I found it. Yeah, it's uh, January six, two thousand nine. I was right about the date. My very first uh, show, uh, live show, listening to or watching Rush on the Ditto Cam when I a rush subscriber it was uh, he says here it says fantastic ladies and gentlemen fantastic the Bamsters hope and change are evaporating in a steam cloud over the US Capitol the Bamster of course being Barack Obama um, Roland Burris subject of a piece today in the Chicago Tribune the headline of the piece in the Chicago Tribune today Filling Obama's seat becomes test of authentic blackness. That's what it was. Roland Burris, it's not that he ran for Congress and won in the Obama wave. It's that Obama was a senator when he ran for president and when he got elected. So when he got elected to president, to the office of president, his Senate seat was then left open. And uh, Governor Rod Blagojevich of uh, Illinois then had to, you know, then uh, was tasked with appointing someone to fill that seat until an election you know, could be held or whatever. And so Blagojevich appointed Roland Burris to fill that, uh, fill that seat. And the, the, the headline from the Chicago Tribune from January 6, 2009 said, Filling Obama's seat becomes test of authentic blackness. The drive-by media once again exploring the concept of authentic blackness. Um, and then he goes on to say, Rush says, Roland Burris, duly appointed by Governor Blagojevich in Illinois, shows up at the U.S. Senate. The Secretary of the Senate turns him away. And then he starts playing the moving on up theme from the Jeffersons. And he's like, I don't think so, not today. Just one problem, he couldn't even get in the front door. And it was just, it's just the way that he said that while playing the song. I mean, I can't do it justice just talking about it. I, you know, it's another one of those things I would like to be able to play the audio of, but I can't. It's just, it's so funny. Uh, so many great moments from uh, Rush's uh, thing uh, uh, there. And, and then, it, you know, but that's what that was about. And I just, I'll never forget that. It's the very, the very first segment, the very, the very opening of the very first segment that I heard as a, as a Rush subscriber and watching on the Ditto Cam in 2009 was that. And that was just so funny. It made me laugh so hard. I've, I've gone back a number of times over the last, gosh, I can't believe this has been 12 years ago now. I've gone back a number of times over the last 12 years and just watched that, listened to that over again because it's so funny. And, uh, and there's other moments on his show too that I just, I really remember uh, being, and there's my phone again. Sorry, folks. Hang on a minute. 
Well, I'm back, everybody. Sorry for that interruption. Uh, for you, that was just a moment. Uh, for me, uh, that was about six hours ago. <laughs> um, when I paused this recording, it was uh, well, a little over six hours ago. It was about 7.30 p.m. And right now, it is 2 a.m. on February 18th. And... Uh, what? Uh, I don't even remember what I was talking about before, but I do know that I can't back this up to, uh, I, I kind of know what I was talking about. I know, I remember I was talking about how, um, if you're not, I remember saying if you, if you're not passionate about something, then it's not going to come through in what you, when what you do. And I understand the importance of caring about what you're doing and being really into it and if you're not then you're just wasting your life because you only get to go around once and uh, I was taking that somewhere else and I don't really remember where and it doesn't matter now because that was six hours ago <laughs> um, but I guess to, to put a final, uh, a kind of like a, an end point on this, um, this is all about, this entire episode is about Rush Limbaugh, and uh, I, you know, he passed away um, yesterday morning, I guess it hasn't quite been 24 hours yet. I don't know how late it was or how early it was that he passed, but um, you talk about somebody who lived every moment of his life to the fullest, you could tell that that was Rush Limbaugh. Uh, and he ended his life with uh, I don't know if he had any regrets or not. Um, I can't, but I can tell you that he, if he did have any regrets, just by listening to him, he didn't let that get in the way of enjoying every moment of life that he could. Um, I'm sure. I mean, everybody has regrets. In fact, uh, um, I remember him saying as the just within the last month I heard him say a couple of times on the radio that he felt like a failure because even though the main purpose of his show was to be entertaining and to have ratings and all that um, his beliefs his conservative beliefs and his beliefs in America were very dear to him and he believed that they were right <laughs> um, and he was sure that they were right he didn't just believe it he knew it and he said that he felt like a failure because he really thought that if you just articulate the ideas clearly enough that it would win the day. It would win a majority of the people. And I mean, you're never going to wipe out 
all opposition. Uh, people are people. People have free will. They have their own ways of thinking, and you're you're never gonna wipe out. You're never gonna wipe out liberalism. Um, but he thought that it would be a by this point in his life, by this point in his show. Um, he felt like it would be a much more of a minority than it is now. I remember uh, back in 2018, he seemed pretty sure that uh, there's no way that the Democrats would take back the House because of how they acted during the first two years of the Trump presidency. There's no way that the American people would vote for that. And he turned out to be wrong. And then in 2020, there's no way people are going to um, are going to vote against Trump given the first three years of his presidency and how successful it was and how 2020 was successful internationally with uh, all the Middle East peace deals and all that. There's just so many promises made, promises kept, all that. There's no way that people are going to reject that over some mean tweets. And um, if you trust and believe the election results, I'll say it that way, then he was wrong again. Um, granted, there is some discrepancy. Uh, well, the, there's a, there's still a lot of questions about that in my mind, in the minds of a lot of uh, in the minds of a lot of people as to how this all went. But he, nonetheless, whether you accept the election results at face value or not, the truth is, is that. A lot, a lot of people voted for Joe Biden. A lot of people voted for Donald Trump, but a whole lot of people also voted for Joe Biden, whether he legitimately won or not. And I think Rush, um, putting words in his mouth now, which is dangerous for somebody that, again, I don't really know, but I feel like I know because I've listened to him so much, but it sounded like toward the end of his, uh, in the last shows that he did, he actually came right out and said, I, I feel like a, I feel like I failed um, as far as advancing the conservative agenda uh, to the point to where it became dominant in America. Um, I really thought that he thought that if he could just get enough people to listen with an open mind and hear what he had to say, that the ideas, not, not just him as a person, but the ideas themselves themselves were so superior to say the opposite end of the political spectrum that they would carry the day in the end and it looks like we are headed in the other direction and so Rush if he had any regrets it seemed like he kind of regretted that um, that things turned out the, have turned out the way they have in America up to this point. So uh, I was telling some Rush stories earlier too and some of the, the memories I have of the show. Um, I've been watching some old C-SPAN videos. Uh, he, 
he did a show in 1990 on C-SPAN, uh, two of the three hours of his radio show, and while I was putting up some of the groceries that I got tonight, um, I was watching back and enjoying some of these things. It's just, it's really nice to be able to do that. And, um, well, uh, what else can you say? Um, you know, I, there's so many other memories. I talked about the Roland, Burla, Roland Burris thing earlier. Um, I remember one caller that called in during the Obama presidency. It was several years into it. I don't remember exactly when. And uh, he said that Rush and Obama had a lot in common because they're both charismatic and both got had the, had the ability to get a lot of people to follow him, and he got angry with the caller, even though the caller meant it as a compliment. And he was like, uh, I remember the uh, exact wording, he's like, don't ever compare me to an authoritarian who thinks that without me they can barely breathe on their own, that, uh, that thinks that without me people can barely breathe on their own, don't ever do that. And he got really, and he apologized after the commercial for getting upset with the caller because he wasn't one to get upset with callers very much. He was very gracious to all, but he really took that personally that somebody would compare him to what he saw as an authoritarian in Obama. And, and if he thought Obama was an authoritarian, <laughs> and what's happening right now, uh, we're, we're, at a, we're at a danger zone point right now. But again, that's not what this show's about. Uh, that's not what this podcast is about right now. This is all about um, the good memories of Rush Limbaugh and uh, you know it's it sounds kind of silly on the surface to to say that somebody who you never met can have such an impact on your life and somebody you never talked to can have such an impact on your life, but Rush did that not only for me, but for millions and millions of people. And I was telling my friend who went to the store with me during the, that really, really long pause, um, I was telling him that a big... <laughs> A big part of my day every day for the last 19 or so years has been the Rush Limbaugh show and now that's going to be gone I mean there's there's all kinds of stuff on the internet there's old shows there's clips I mean I could if I wanted to every day I could take one of his shows and just every day just um, I, I could spend another 30 years, I guess, just going back through his, or not maybe 30 years, because I don't know if every show of his is available, at least not yet. I hope one day that they take the Rush Limbaugh website and put like everything on there, even if they charge people for premium content to be able to get uh, access to everything he's ever done. I would pay for that in a heartbeat. Um, I, you know,
the impact. I, I almost hate to end this. It's it's an hour and fifteen minutes long, and I almost hate to end it because there's no end to what I could say about the impact that Rush Limbaugh has had on everyone. And uh, I mean, well, if you watch several, if you watch shows on Fox or if you listen to other conservative hosts today, you're going to hear a lot about that. And we should. We shouldn't just let this be a one-day thing. Uh, we should be talking about this for a long time. Uh, we should be talking about, we should never stop talking about him, in my opinion, at least in our lifetimes. Uh, he's just, just an amazing guy. Um, a great role model for anyone. Um, and somebody, that, you know, how, how do you live? And, he, you know, he wasn't perfect. He, nobody's perfect. You know, he had the, the addiction to the painkillers. Um, he was married, I think, three times. Um, I, I think he loved his radio show more than anything, or maybe anyone else, uh, except maybe Catherine, his his uh, his current wife. Uh, you know, he really seemed to finally find the one that was meant for him when he married her. Um, but he. I shouldn't say he loved his show more than anyone else because he genuinely cared about people. Uh, again, just tell by listening to him interact with his audience. But I don't know what else to say. There's uh, going to be a void in my. Uh, Afternoons <laughs> from now on. I mean, it, I I love Blaze TV. I love the Steve Dace show. Like I told you earl earlier in this podcast, how Steve Dace said he wanted his show to be for a biblical worldview, what Russia's show was for a conservative worldview. That's a great goal to have. Um, and his show's really taken off in 2020. And I hope one day he's able to say that he accomplished that goal. I love the guys on the Steve Dace show. Steve Dace uh, and Erzin and McIntyre. I, I love those guys. Those guys are awesome. They're, they're great. They're fun. They're and they wear their faith on their sleeve, and I love that. Uh, they don't. That's uh, I, if I if I had one criticism of the Rush Limbaugh show. And it's not really a criticism, because it's, I mean he didn't he never denied Jesus, uh, but I wish maybe he would have talked about his faith more. Um, if you listen to anybody who knew him personally, they say on all these shows and on you know on the different news programs and and um, radio shows I've listened to today. They've talked about how strong his faith was. And he did talk about it on the air some. I'm not going to say he never did. Uh, I remember him saying on one of his shows, he came right out, and, I know Jesus Christ. As I, you know, it's not like I believe in Jesus Christ. He, he's like, I know Jesus Christ. And uh, he, And he really espoused... 
it's my contention that conservative values and biblical values really are, for the most part, I'm talking about true conservatism, not the Lincoln Project crap, but like real to the right conservatism has a lot in common and maybe synonymous even. I don't think it's a stretch to say synonymous with biblical values. Um, that's not to say every conservative is a, a Christian. That's for sure not the case. I'm talking about just the principles. There's a lot that matches between a biblical worldview and a conservative one. So Rush was a champion for a lot of Christian values. And he didn't shy away from social issues either. Um, whereas some people would, and a lot of the Republican Party seeks to do that today, Rush didn't do that. He didn't shy away from the cultural, the culture war. Uh, matter of fact, he was, I would say, he was the culture war's greatest warrior. Um, but if I had a criticism, or if I, if, if there, uh, not, it's not a criticism, if there was something I would change, yeah, I, w I wish he would have talk, uh, talked about it more. I wish that he would have, because I would have loved to hear more about his personal relationship with Jesus and how he really got to know him as a person, uh, know, got to know the Lord as a person, and really, you know, how that relationship You know, influenced him, and just I would have liked to have heard more of that. <laughs> so, one of the you know, I love Russia's sense of humor, uh, but one of the things that I remember one joke that he told that I was just like, oh, that was way too far. And, um, I mean, and I still catch myself kind of chuckling at it, even though I'm like, no, 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 this is not right. You can't say, that's just, that's, that's bad. That's really bad. And I can only think of one time that he ever told a joke or something in a, that he meant humorously that I thought went too far. And it was right after uh, Barack Obama got elected, right after his initial election in 2008. And he'd just uh, taken office in 2009. It might have been right after his first State of the Union. I, I don't remember exactly when the date was. But I remember that Rush, it might have been in response to Obama's State of the Union. But that year, Rush was the keynote speaker at uh, CPAC, the Conservative Political Action uh, Group. And uh, he was the keynote speaker. And he he went for a long time, and he he called it his first address to the nation. Uh, you know, in response to Barack Obama's first, you know, his address to the nation or whatever. And he started it off by telling this joke. Uh, now I'm gonna try to do it justice because I. Uh, this is the one that I said went too far. I think I, I think I remember it pretty well. If I, if I, you'll get the gist of it at least. Uh, so anyway, uh, one day, uh, and, and and this was again, this was in two thousand nine. So this was twelve, about twelve years ago. Uh, 
and it was before Larry King died. I know Larry King died recently as well. This was not a joke about Larry King actually dying. This was about a decade, over a decade before Larry King or Rush passed away. So this wasn't meant in some kind of a mean, ha-ha, Larry King is dead kind of way. This was, again, this was 2009. But he said, uh, so one day, uh, you know, Larry King dies, and um, he gets to the pearly gates of heaven, and St. Peter is there. And uh, St. Peter says, welcome, Mr. King, welcome, welcome to heaven, and um, do you have any questions? And Larry King says, uh, no, they're going through, in the process, they're going through the judgment, and Larry King says, oh, whoa, 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 just, just one thing, before, you know, uh, before we go in here, and, you know, he's being shown around heaven and everything, and, uh, he says, I just got to know. Please tell me that Rush Limbaugh is not here. And uh, St. Peter says, oh, no, uh, no. Rush has, you know, he has a long time before he's going to be here. Uh, he's got a lot of life left to live. Larry King's like, okay, good. So Rush isn't here. Uh, so he's showing Larry King around, and Larry King's like, wow. You know, he's looking at the streets of gold and he's you see he's seen the pearly gates on the way in and uh, the crystal sea and the throne of God just uh, you know he's, he's seen he's seen everything and it's uh, he's seen everything and it's so magnificent and and, uh, and so then he goes and he knocks on the, he, he they go into this uh, to this one room and he sees this illuminated sign that has Rush Limbaugh's name on it and it looks like the Rush Limbaugh logo that you always saw in his in the background when he did his radio show and Larry King says wait a minute hey you told me that Rush Limbaugh wasn't here yet what is this and uh, St. Peter says oh no I'm sorry for the confusion that's actually God's room he just thinks he's Rush Limbaugh. And I was like, oh no, I can't, like, oh, don't, that was, uh, but that one, okay, that one went too far. But, uh, but, and yet, I still was like, I can't believe he went there. But, you know, I guess in humor, in, in comedy, really, there's no such thing as going too far, because it's comedy. You can push boundaries in comedy and cross lines that you, can't do in any other context when, when it's being done for a humorous purpose. At least that's how I feel about it. I know a lot of people who share my worldview and my Christian beliefs don't think that. You know, they might think some of the some of the, my sense of humor might cross a line or whatever. That's fine. Uh, I don't have a my, my sense of humor probably probably isn't very sanctified. Let's say, um, but. Um, but just like I said, I could go on for another hour and a half. I've already gone for an hour and twenty-seven minutes. I could go on for another hour and a half. Um, about just all the good memories that I have of Rush Limbaugh. Uh, I, you know, there there were times when I would get um, like a month behind on programs or whatever if I was really busy or if there was stuff going on around here and I just didn't get to it. And now I would like spend 
I would go days and just do nothing but like listen to hour after hour, day after day of Rush Limbaugh until I got caught up to where where I uh, wanted to be. And uh, I just, I, I again, I don't know what else. I don't know what more to say. Just he was the best. There will never be another Rush Limbaugh. There will be another number one radio show that will take that place. Uh, I would have I have my preferences on who I would like to see that be, but there will never be another Rush Limbaugh. This, uh, like I said earlier, he he was the epitome of you only live this life once, and you better make it count for all that you can, because you don't get to come around again. And. Uh, What else can you say? Uh, I would like to talk about myself a little bit and some of the things that are going on. Uh, you know, no new updates on the apartment situation. Um, I'll keep you guys updated as I have more information, but I don't have any right now. Um, again, uh, for you guys, that pause was only for a second. For me, it was over six hours. So whatever I was talking about before, the pause. Uh, I'm sorry if I if I broke my train of thought. Um, I know I was really into what I was saying, and then I got cut off. But then I, I we have some ice that's going to be coming uh, tonight. It's, I think it, the precipitation's already started, and then it's going to turn to ice. And we're supposed to have like something like a half inch of ice, and there's a possibility we might lose power. And so a friend of mine called me and asked if I wanted to go to Walmart to get some things some, you know, non-perishable things, some things that I don't have to refrigerate so that I could, uh, just in case the power's out for more than a, a day or two or whatever. And uh, I don't think it'll be, you know, it might just be a day, it might not go off at all. You never know. But I wanted to be prepared. And uh, so that's why I was gone for so long. We ended up we ended up spending like we probably got to Walmart around 8:30 and we closed at 11 and we were there a few minutes after closing checking out our stuff. Um, that tells you how long we were there, and um, it was just nice to hang out with him. And um, so I really enjoyed doing that. And then I put all the stuff up and I watched a little bit of an old Rush episode. I'm going to be doing that a lot in the next few days um, and watching all the tributes to a lot of these old shows will be here for forever but the tributes uh, again Russia is just the best this is going to noon to three is the hour uh, the rush hours and the 12 to 3 eastern time is just not going to be the same ever again And I, um, I'm gonna miss him. <laughs> uh, again, I'm gonna miss somebody I never talked to or met. Um, but he's anyway. Uh, so that is the Wisdom on Wheels podcast for February seventeenth, two thousand twenty-one. Even though this is now February eighteenth. 
2021. I'm still going to label it as the previous day since that's when I started it. And um, I will be back with you all tomorrow. Maybe I'll have some more Rush stories. Maybe I will talk about some other things that I had planned on talking about. A lot of the stuff that I had planned on talking about for today's podcast just don't seem to matter much anymore. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what else to say. Um, that's the Wisdom on Wheels podcast for February 17th. 18th, 17th, whatever, 2021. This is Steve Johnson. Hopefully I won't lose power tonight. And if not, then I'll be back with you tomorrow. So uh, God bless you all. Bye for now.